0: I've had, uh, you know, a lot of prayer uh, considering how I b- disengage from what we've talked about for the entire month of October, right? The, uh, the election, politics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not been necessarily that easy to disengage um, and b- come back, um, Every week, I've still called it preparing for the Lord's return, preparing the saints for the Lord's return, and, it, and I could probably teach any message on, you know, seven days a week, and it would be preparing the saints for the Lord's return. And hey, good to see you. God bless. Two of my favorite people. <laughs> Jeez, if I had, if I had a, a if we had a, mo, a motion camera, I'd have them just swing it around and put it on you right now. So. <laughs> uh, praise God. Everybody at home's going, who's it? who is it? Who is it? President Trump and his wife are here. Did you? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh dear heavens! I like to have fun in church, right? Yeah. All right. Um, so I sat down. I have a black journal that I write all my Bible studies and notes and messages in, and and uh, this is what I began to write, and it really brought us, I think brings us back to what we were studying before everything changed that course, right? And so I, I'm just going to read some of the things that I wrote down because I want you to, um, I would like to somehow, by it will have to be by the Spirit of God, but I hope by the Spirit of God that you maybe you can experience what I was feeling when I was writing them down, okay? Uh, What does it mean to prepare for the Lord's return? Is it about stockpiling food or toilet paper? Is it about getting out of debt so you won't be in bondage to the economy and have to do that in order to survive? Is it about stocking up arms and ammo so that you can protect all the stuff that you stored? Is it is being prepared for the Lord's Lord's coming having a seminary degree on the book of revelation I think all of us know that up to this point the answers are well not necessarily is it about having an understanding of the rapture the mark of the beast or the antichrist what does it mean to be to prepare for the Lord's return now remember I'm having this moment in my office where I'm saying, "Okay, God, I want to, I want to get back to what we were studying." And He led me down. Okay, well, what does it mean to prepare for the return? So let's alter the question a little bit. It's actually what I have here. What is the Book of Revelation really about? Hmm. It's not about the author, John. It's not about the Antichrist the beast, the two witnesses, the bowls of wrath, or even the rapture. It's about Jesus Christ. The focus of the book of Revelation is found in the first five words of the first chapter of the book of Revelation. and In Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul himself said that he determined to know nothing among the people except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he was probably more equipped than any theologian of his time to just break apart the scriptures and teach line upon line and precept upon precept, the most unusual and most difficult theological subjects. And yet he determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so as I looked at that and I went, that question, what does it mean to prepare for the Lord, for the Lord's return? The Lord led me down that path to go, well, then what what does it mean to, uh, what's the book of Revelation really about? Because anytime you talk about end times, the first thing people think of is we're going to have an exposition of the book of Revelation. And I don't have a problem with that. In fact, we may do that from chapter one all the way through the end, and wouldn't that be fun? I figured I'd get some enthusiasm there, right? Uh, But then again, if that's the direction that the Lord would lead us, what is Revelation really all about? Because it isn't about all those other things. Those other things are written in it, but that's not what Revelation is about. If I, as a pastor, am truly going to be able to do the job that God has called me to do to prepare you for the Lord's return, then I need you to understand who you are in Him and who He is. You are the bride, and He is the bridegroom. So it's, it's easy to get distracted by everything that's happening around us. I promise you, I could go on and on and on about political stuff and all the stuff I'm watching and probably too many things because it's gotten distracting. Okay? And and it's easy for us to take our eyes off the goal. What is Revelation all about? Jesus. That's right. This is the revelation of Jesus. First five words. The whole book of Revelation, that's what it's about. But we like to make it about other things um, and it's easy to get our eyes off the goal isn't it I mean we know Peter's story don't we in Matthew chapter 14 verse 22 through 31 where you know he got out of the boat he saw Jesus walk in the water and he got out of the boat I'm just going to read just a just a segment of that uh, and it says here but seeing the wind he became frightened and beginning to sink he cried out Lord save me he, his peril started when he lost his focus and took his eyes off the prize. Our peril as well will probably be when we lose our focus and take our eyes off of Jesus as well. And let me help you with something. I believe that it's absolutely possible that Satan can make us study everything about Revelation except Jesus. And then what have we accomplished? Knowledge. I believe it's possible that Satan would love nothing more than for us to get our focus on anything but Jesus. Okay? He'd love for us to focus. And again, I, it, the, the Antichrist, the bowls of wrath, the two witnesses, all that stuff is powerful and it's, it's good stuff to study and it's important and it's biblical. I'm not saying that. But he would love for us to just get our minds and our hearts focused in and zeroed in on one of those things because then that becomes, that's not the thing that's going to save you. Jesus, excuse me, Peter took his eyes off his salvation. And looked at the circumstances, the current situations, the cultural, Fox News, CNN, all the others, and began to let that be the focus. And I'll tell you right now, all that stuff will take your focus off of Jesus in a New York second. It's possible, I believe, that he would be elated if we would keep our focus on current events and eschatology, you know, the study of end times. People rally around the study of end times. A good friend and brother of mine said, you, 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 you teach end times, you, people will come to the church. Not my study of end times, because I'm not going to focus in on all that other stuff. But the devil can even get me to focus in the wrong area. And yet i have a mandate from god to do what not teach you in times we're going to do that but my mandate is to prepare you for the lord's return are you following me why would i say that satan would detour our focus because he's happy to have us focus on anything other than jesus and him crucified why That's his moment of defeat. That's his moment of defeat. Listen, beloved, and it's our moment of victory. (laughs) Ha-ha, hallelujah. That's his moment of defeat and our moment of victory, and he'll do anything, even getting us to get into Revelation and study all the little pieces, parts, and nuances of end times, as long as we just get our eyes off the prize. And we got to remember what that's, I think that's why the Holy Spirit brought me through that. What 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 does it mean to prepare people for the coming of the Lord? No, no, Rick, Rick, what is revelation really all about? It's in the first five words. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Or the revelation of Jesus Christ. So We have to understand that there is a focus, a function, and a fruit of revelation. The Lord did bring me back to revelation, obviously. He asked me that question. And maybe if we will begin to focus on who He is and who we are in relationship to Him, then maybe all this other stuff will actually fall into and fit into its proper place in our life none of the stuff i mentioned like you know the the two witnesses the rapture they're all important things i'm not saying they're unimportant they're just not the focus but boy we sure have made churches have made them the focus where your position on rapture has caused denominations to literally sprout up their focus is on what the rapture And, and isn't the enemy happy isn't he happy That he caused a denomination a split and a denomination to rise up based on a doctrinal issue that's not heaven or hell issue he loves that i got the body of christ to be fooled into thinking they're great bible students and they've forgotten this is the revelation of jesus christ so as we look into this we're not going to be looking for the sensational as we look into what revelation yeah, I think that's probably what's going to happen. We're probably going to take a journey from chapter 1 all the way to the end. You all know that I flow with whatever God's given me to give. right? So, uh, but we, We're not going to go through the book of Revelation seeking for the sensational. We're going to seek for the Savior. Amen. Amen? We're not going to be looking for the current events to match. We're going to be looking for the coming King. That's what we need to do. We're not going to study Revelation and look at these things like a seminary student trying to gain data and facts. We're going to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. The story of Peter is probably the most apt story for this because the enemy would love for as many have gotten their focus on this event, that event, the governor this, the Supreme Court that, Trump this, Biden that, and just keep our focus. He may still be, oh, it looks like he's actually won. No, I guess he had him. He'd love to keep have our focus right there, and I'll tell you right now, when your focus is there, you're scattered, and you are not focused on the only thing that will save you from peril. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So let's not study Revelation with the intent to garner data and facts and to walk away with our head in the clouds filled with biblical eschatological knowledge. Yeehaw! Is it important to have eschatological knowledge? Of course, every believer should. But is that the focus? Uh Uh-uh. You could be completely ignorant to any thought of end times and keep your focus on Jesus, you'll probably doing better than a lot of other people. Thank you, brother. So Revelation chapter 1 verse 1 says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bond servants the things which must soon take place. What's a bond servant? Well, a servant in the biblical setting who was was someone who was literally enslaved to the master they were serving. But there was instruction in the Old Testament, I think that was after seven years or something like that, they were to be freed or given the option to stay with that master. And when a a servant says, no, I don't want to leave, I want to stay with this master, then they would put the ear up next to the doorpost and drive an awl through it, and put an earring. That person now became a bondservant because now they were in servitude out of choice, out of love, not out of slavery and subjection. Okay? Now keep in mind, and I'm just we're still doing some literal stuff here, right? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his bond servants. Who is this revelation for? Bondservants. so that may take us down another road of trying to determine, am I a servant or am I a bond servant? There's a lot of Christians who are, who are not completely willingly yielded to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, probably still servants. But to really get it better written or better said, the book of Revelation was not written to unbelievers. In fact, if you're not saved, there's a good chance you won't understand what the book of Revelation has to say. It's written for his servants. It's written for believers. It's written for his bondservants. It's not written for the world. It's not written for the unbeliever. Okay? You and I should be able to understand it because, well, not just because we're believers, if we're bondservants. If we're someone who says, I'm not serving you, Jesus, because I have to. In fact, I willingly yield my life to you because I love you and I want to serve you. The function of the book, focus, function, and fruit. So that's what you have. You have a focus and the focus is Jesus Christ. The function of the book of Revelation is to do what? It's to reveal future events to Christians because remember the focus is Jesus Christ and who is it written to bond servants let's not let's not think that this is written to every breathing human being it's not that doesn't mean every human uh, every non-believer can't read it they can read it but they're not going to receive revelation from it necessarily unless they become bond servants of the lord all right In human understanding, there are certain things in Revelation that can be comprehended through human understanding. But Revelation is not written chronologically. There's times where Revelation goes all the way over here in the time span, then comes back over here in the time span, then comes here in the time span, and then goes all the way over there in the time span. It's hard enough for Holy Ghost-filled believers to understand. Are you with me? All right. So the function of this book, as I said, is to reveal future events to Christians. But how is it revealed? What is the method that God uses to unfold and unveil the great truths uh, to his bondservants that are in this book? So here we go. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. I'm still in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now I'm reading from the King James Version right now. And he sent and signified, say signified. Signified. He He sent and signified it by his angel unto the servant John. This word signified is actually a key word in this text because signified, you look it up in the dictionary. It literally means to make known by signs. To make known by signs or symbolisms. And I'll tell you right now that that based on the context of the entire work of Revelation, we're talking about heavy symbolism, okay? There's symbolism in there that honestly, you, you can't necessarily take literally. I've already taught you that the best way to study the Bible is through a literal face-value interpretation. That's still true, so give me space to help you understand why there's another message here. So God tells us right up front, verse 1, I haven't got past verse 1 yet. He tells us right up here in verse 1, here's what the book's about, here's who it's written to, and here's how I'm going to show it. I'm going to be, there's going to be lots of symbolism. Signify. To make known by signs, are you with me? Yeah. All right. So, God tells us right up front. So, there's three reasons I believe God might be using symbolism here, and they are important to us in the study of the Book of Revelation. The symbols are somewhat like uh, spiritual code. Now, I'm not talking about the numerical code and alpha code of the Hebrew language and all that. So, don't get all don't get bent out of shape here. The book oftentimes can only be understood in the light of the Old Testament, and when we actually started this journey, we really took a look at the harmony between what was written about end times in the New Testament and what was written in the Old Testament. and That was good that that the Lord had us go that way because now we're at this place where we have to understand to really comprehend the code, the secret, and that's just a metaphor, There's not really a secret code uh, of understanding revelation, it's in the light. Of the Old Testament. Uh, We have to anchor our interpretations of Revelation in the light of the rest of Scripture. Okay? And I've shared that with you from the very beginning. What's the best authority on end times? Does anybody remember? Matthew chapter 24, the writings of Jesus, right? (coughs) Excuse me. And everything Jesus had to say about it, every other author throughout Scripture needs to harmonize with what Jesus had to say about it. You see, you may not understand everything that Jesus had to say about end times unless you look at it in the light of all the other authors on end times. Okay, I'm not going too deep on anybody, am I? Excellent. If I can understand it, you can too. The best commentary on the bible is what? Huh? The bible itself. The best commentary on the bible is the bible itself. There are over 300 references in the book of Revelation to Old, the Old Testament. 300 Re- Old Testament references in, written in to the writings of the book of Revelation. That's profound. Many symbols in Revelation can only be interpreted by looking at the Old Testament. So the symbols, what we're, what we're talking about right now is why would God say I'm gonna use symbolism to explain the, you know, all this stuff? Well, that's one reason. Another reason is that symbolism may, most often conveys a deeper message or a deeper emotion to the message, a deeper feeling to the word that's written. For example, John could have written about the Antichrist, a dictator will rule the world. But he didn't write a dictator will rule the world. Instead, he calls the Antichrist the beast. Now, he when we see the word beast, we think, shoot the deer and eat the beast. That's a, So obviously, the Antichrist is not a beast, literally. Follow me? Symbolically is because the beast conveys power and cruelty and it conveys it with much deeper emotion than a dictator will rule the world. Are you following me? Uh, or John could have said there, there's going to be a one world government, but that's not written in there. He, he calls it the Babylon the Great, as which is an Old Testament reference to the one world government. So it's symbolism. The other reason, so the first part of symbolism is that it's somewhat of a spiritual match-the-box kind of thing with the Old Testament. And the other part of it is, is that it, the symbolism often will convey a deeper meaning or a deeper message about the word. Another reason that symbolism will often be used is because, and we have to remember this, John is describing modern-day events in 1st century language and 1st century knowledge. He is describing 21st century events with 1st century knowledge and 1st century uh, understanding and language. I mean, think about it. If you lived over 2,000 years ago and you saw a sky full of Apache helicopters and every time they fired a missile, all the vegetation in sight was destroyed, how much you were? How much you refer to that? Oh, there was 700 Apache helicopters shooting. No, that was no. He called it giant monster locust, or maybe if that if that's what the locusts are, we don't know. Maybe it's actually giant monster locust. <laughs> but the point being, we have to look at it, it. It more than likely is symbolism because a part of the symbolism is well, John could only describe what he was seeing because God took John all the way to the end to show him events and what was happening. And John can only describe that based on his first century language and his first century knowledge. So how, I mean, think about it. Or if God showed John the devastation of a nuclear bomb or an impact of an asteroid that wiped out an entire city, how much you describe that? Well. John described it like a mountain of fire falling from the sky. He didn't know that it was an asteroid. Asteroid A1624 hit the earth and Los Angeles crumbled. No, he, he couldn't describe it that way. right? So uh, we have to remember in looking at the book of Revelation, this is important, that John is describing 21st century events with first-century knowledge and language. (laughs) That is so important to understand the book of Revelation or to take the journey to try. And how are we to interpret this um, highly symbolic and partially veiled book? Yeah, it's also a partially veiled book. It's almost like, (laughs) please. It's like studying trigonometry. I, I, I failed algebra. Trigonometry to me is like learning to speak chinese i don't know uh well are we to study it are we to understand and interpret this uh, symbolic stuff literally or are we to determine it symbolically well actually the answer is both okay you have to find out what the symbol stands for and then you have to believe it literally are you following me so it's not always just a face value literal interpretation because a face value literal interpretation of the book of Revelation will not give you understanding of the book of Revelation because it's it's literally, he said in verse one, uh, he's, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave to him to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place or as it said in the King James Version, let me look back here real quick. Uh, he sent and signified it by his angels unto the servant John. Okay? So you don't, if you don't look past the symbol, what's symbols usually mean something other than what they are. Okay? So we have to use that as part of criteria of studying, you know, Revelation. And, and then again, who knows? Maybe the sky will be full of giant monster locusts. Um. How do you, okay, let's take a look at the idea of determining what a symbol is and then standing on it literally, right? So I want want to take you down that path for a minute. Let me give you an example from Revelation chapter 12. And in Revelation chapter 12, let me get this page turned here, uh, verses three through four. I think it'll be up on the screen for you, but you can certainly turn there. Another sign, what's a sign? A symbol. Right? Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery dragon. All right, everybody get a picture of a dragon. Get a picture of a dragon. Fiery dragon. We all know that because dragons breathe fire. Right? So, a great fiery dragon had seven heads and ten horns. That's a horror movie, right there. And seven crowns or diadems on his head, his tail. Drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the ground. (laughs) Let me help you, brothers and sisters. That is chock full of symbolism. Okay? This is symbolism at its best because Satan is referred to as the dragon because he is so ferocious. He is not a long tailed, fire breathing dragon, it's a symbol. Other scriptures in the Bible tell us that the one-third of the stars in heaven are referring to the fallen angels, one-third of the fallen angels who followed Satan, who rebelled against God at the beginning of time. So there's the, what the literal understanding of the symbolism. So you, you, you determine what the sim- symbolism means and then stand on the literal interpretation of that meaning, Okay. I can stand on the fact that this ferocious being called Satan rebelled against God and he convinced a third of the angels to follow him in this coup, in this revolt, and they were all kicked out of heaven. But the symbolism, he's a ferocious dragon with a long tail, who, who got all the, a third of the stars to fall from the sky, you follow me? So that's why we look to see what the symbolism means and then literally stand on that meaning. Are you with me? So the focus of the book of Revelation is Jesus revealed. The function of the book of Revelation is to show God's bondservants the future. But not only is there a focus and a function to the book of Revelation, but there's also a fruit to the book of Revelation. It's in verse 3 of chapter 1. Wow, I made it past verse 1. Can you believe it? Blessed is he who reads in those who hear the words of this prophecy, and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. What's the fruit of reading and heeding? Let's not forget that. You can read it all you want, but if you don't heed it, you don't get the fruit. The fruit of reading and heeding is a tremendous blessing. Now, I don't know exactly what that blessing is. I don't care. He's promised me a tremendous blessing. And he's God. It's got to be great. So if I read and heed these words, what words? The words of Revelation, which was written to reveal the future events and was written to me, a bondservant, then I am a candidate to receive tremendous blessing. That's the fruit of reading and heeding. The book of Revelation. Are you with me? So, we are, of course, currently experiencing a world that is on a downward spiral <laughs> uh, to economic disaster. I, I have no doubt about that. Uh, we're on a world that is spiraling downward to natural disasters that go beyond anything in history. We're seeing it already. Natural, you know whoever heard of a hurricane in, in Iowa, <laughs> okay? And, and through it all, I mean, we're going to see plagues and famines. I've, I've, I just read an article that the, that the food shortage in 2021 is going to be so great, there'll be famines all across the land. Well, guess what? That's not just alarmism, and I don't know if it'll happen in 2021, but it's going to happen because he prophesied that it would happen. Plagues, hello? We don't have to look past corona to know plagues are already home, here. They're not just there. Wars, are you kidding me? So the world is on a downward spiral, but the children of God are on an upward rise. Praise God. (laughs) So the real sign that we understand and really believe the prophecy that's in this book is not how high we jump in rejoicing when we hear the teachings about rapture and so forth. It's how straight we walk when our feet hit the ground. Because really, it's about what? What is the book of Revelation about? Jesus. It's to reveal Jesus Christ to us. And who are we as Christians? We are bond servants who are bond servants anyone can remember what i said a bond servant is someone who chooses willingly to yield themselves to the master okay again there's a whole lot of servants in the kingdom and not a whole lot of bond servants in the kingdom Don't leave these midweek Bible study with your head so high in the clouds of Bible knowledge. Don't do that. Leave with your feet firmly planted on the soil of soul winning. What? Soul winning? Where did that come from? I don't know. I've heard Pastor Rick say the word soul winning. You've got to be ready to share what you believe with others. If you just keep this as your information, it's just head knowledge, folks, and nothing other than data and facts have been inputted into your spirit. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, You must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And Scripture also teaches us what our hope is. Our hope. Is the return of the Lord. Remember, you look at scripture in in its entirety, not just one scripture. It says you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. If you worship Christ as the Lord of your life, what are you? Bond servant. -servant. And if you, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer. And what does Scripture tell us our hope as believers is? His return. Be ready to explain it. Now, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to give me a show of hands. How many of you feel like you could explain the return of the Lord to a non believer? Some, maybe. Others would be like, I pray I never get asked that. Please ask me anything else. Don't ask me that. If I'm going to prepare you for the return of the Lord and all you do is take that information and that data and put it in your little spiritual bank, then you're not doing the great commission to go and teach others about it. Well, explain your hope. Well, I get joy and I, and I, and I, and I get peace and, and, and I pray and, and the Bible says so. They ain't going to cut the mustard, y'all. You want to win somebody to Christ? Know how to explain the end of days that we live in to them. What are you doing sitting on your rusty dusty? Expanding your base and broadening your horizons? (laughs) (laughs) That's not what we're supposed to do. You're not supposed to come here on midweek service or check in online to garner data, and facts. I've failed you if that's what you're doing. You're supposed to assimilate this as revelation to understand what's truly being revealed here and what's truly being revealed here. Thank you, Jesus Christ. What did Paul determine to know among everyone? Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul, I am an idiot compared to Paul, okay? I failed algebra nearly twice. Once for sure, I had to go back and do it again. Algebra one. So I ain't no smarty pants. He knew everything about scripture, he could debate scripture. He was the only one that God had in place at that time who could understand the old scriptures and their revelation of Jesus Christ in it. And He didn't determine to sit down and do expositions of scripture. He determined what? I determined, I made my mind up that I wasn't going to know anything among you guys except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He did what revelation said to. I'm going to reveal Jesus to people. That's what you and I are supposed to do. If I'm going to prepare you for the Lord's return, and we can do that through revelation as long as we keep our focus correct. So Washington, of course, Washington DC is certainly trying to make things better. But quite frankly, they're just painting the deck of a sinking ship. Sorry to be so positive. Painting the deck of a sinking ship. Revelation gives a winning perspective, though. And it world events may trouble us and they ought to trouble us. They may sadden us and they should sadden us, but they should never shake us. They should never shake us. Luke chapter 21, and I'm getting ready to close this thing down tonight don't even have a clue what time it is. What is it? Oh, 8.03. Still right on almost an hour. Uh, Luke chapter 21 verse 28 says, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Come on, somebody. That's, what, that's the great hope. Yes. That's our hope. Not that I don't, well, what's your hope? I'm not going to hell. That's not the great hope. The great hope is his return. So I know God has me on the right path to prepare his people for his return. And it isn't about solely focusing on eschatology in time study, which is everybody's highlight. The devil loves that. So when you read the book of Revelation, and especially if you go to the last chapter, you discover... You win and the devil loses, shout amen, amen. Amen. Hallelujah, praise God. Well, I hope you were blessed by tonight. I was blessed to deliver it. Uh, We'll be ready to do it again uh, next Wednesday night. I have told you from the very beginning that when you study or you hear a teaching like tonight and you have certain questions, both those of you online as well, you have certain questions that you might like for me to address address, you should have those questions written down because you never know which Wednesday night I'll say, you know what, I want to do a question and answer night tonight. And maybe there's a question that you have. Or online, if you want to email them in to me. Or here, if you want to email them in to me, I'm, I will probably take an opportunity to answer those, either via email or bring them back here to the pulpit and impart the Word of God to you on that. I can't necessarily do it a question and answer time in this setting because we would never make it through to the... Okay, y'all get that, right? All right, good. good. All right, come on, let's stand together. Let's get ready to go home. Thank you again for being here. Thank you, all of you. Thank you so much for connecting with us, being a part of this evening service. If you're out there looking at this video, either right now live or seeing it later on, and you're looking for a good church to come to, I want you to know that Resurrection Life Church is a good place to come and learn more about Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. I pray the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. I pray that the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Peace be unto all of you. God bless. We'll see you Sunday morning.